well, um, Aquemini was actually um, like a, a blending of both of the signs, the Aquarius and the Gemini, like letting people know that like two totally different worlds can come together and make this music. You know, and then at the time we had some people, you know what I'm saying, running around to my uh, it's our cash gonna break up because we were so like, you know, like totally like opposite, you know what I'm saying? Some people be calling it the odd couple or whatever, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But it I mean, that's our formula. It's always worked like that. You know what I mean? So, um we just let them know we're here to stay. Yo <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening downloading and subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 kyle podcast i'm 12 kyle check it on this podcast we're going to talk about the aquemini album from outcast this album actually turns 20 years old this year so we're going to talk about the album i'm going to break it down and tell you some things that you may or may not know about this album And of course, we'll talk about the significance of it and why it's a hip hop classic. So sit back, relax. We'll drop the theme music and we'll get the podcast jumping. Let's get it. Welcome back. As I mentioned at the top, we're talking about Aquemini from Outkast. Uh, it's hard to believe this album will actually turn 20 years old this year. This album was released September 29th, 1998. Um, this album resonates with me on so many levels. And I, I, I think back to when I actually bought this album, I actually went to a record store <laughs> You know, a little novel concept place where you buy uh, records, CDs and tapes. And I remember waiting in line to actually cop this album. Uh, And there was a a, a crazy buzz and anticipation for this album. Um, And, you know, it also made me think about the landscape of what actually what hip hop actually looked like in 1998. Uh, The golden era for hip hop had actually ended. Uh, or some would say it was coming to an end. Um, Hip hop was starting to be a lot less uh, flossy, if you will. Um, The shiny suit era was dying down, if you will. Uh, You know, hip hop was starting to look a little different and sound a little different. Um, Particularly when you think about the people who who were at the top of the hip hop charts. Uh, two people come to mind for me, and that would be uh, Jay-Z and, and DMX. Um, you know, so hip hop had become a little bit more gangster, a little bit more gully, if you will, a little bit more grimy, a little bit more dirty. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, you still had to MC, you still had to spit. Um, and I think the lyrical era, you know, was transitioning, if you will. Uh, and then here comes this album. And... This album was a follow-up to their smash uh, second album, AT Aliens. Um, and so as a fan and a huge fan of Outkast, you know, it was highly, highly anticipated. Uh, this album also resonates with me on a personal level because uh, I moved to Atlanta from South Carolina in 1997. 
So when I got here to Atlanta, the hip hop scene here was really, really, it, it was really, really growing. And it was, it was almost like it, it was, I don't want to say it was even in its infancy, but it really kind of was. I mean, Atlanta hip hop was on the scene, but it wasn't like that on a, in a major way. I mean, it's pales in comparison as to what Atlanta means to hip hop right now. Um, but that said, I mean, you had acts like, you know, the social deaf acts, you had, you know, other acts around the city, but you know, people in this city really, really gravitated towards outcast. Um, so this album was, you know, going to be the follow-up to, you know, AT aliens and people were really, really excited about it. Didn't really know what to expect because, you know, with outcast, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get because the first album, Southern playlist, Cadillac music, didn't sound like AT aliens. And, you know, so there was some, some flack for that, if you will. And I'll talk about that in just a few, but, um, you know, so this album really, really resonated with me because I just moved here. So I was able to kind of grow in this city and then also see the hip hop scene grow at the same time. And, you know, one of the things that was on the forefront of the, the, the growing scene in hip hop was this particular album. So when this album dropped, I mean, like it was it was everything to a lot of people, particularly in this city. I can't really speak to, you know, how it was around the world, but just in particular, this city, it was like something that people were really, really clamoring for. Um, so having moved to Atlanta and being here and being in the hip hop scene, it was really, really dope for me. Um, but this album really, really caught a lot of people by surprise. Um Again, it was highly anticipated, but we just weren't sure what to expect. Uh, there was the content of the album, the production of the album, and I'll get into all of that. But um, it, it was a very, very pleasant surprise once you got a chance to get that CD, crack it open, read the liner notes and just press play. Um, you know, Outcast took you there. And I think that was one of the great things about this album. And I think it still takes you there to this day. Um so as far as the production, surprisingly, uh, Outkast produced as the two of them, uh, Dre and Big Boy, they produced over half of the album. I think they did. They produced eight tracks. Uh, their DJ, um, Mr. DJ, he produced three tracks. And then um, I think Organized Noise produced another four tracks. Um, so I was really surprised to hear how the album sounded, given the fact that outcast produced most of the album um and if you throw in mr dj i mean that you know that between you know those two entities they produced the majority of the album with organized noise only doing four tracks um but the production on this album is crazy uh the first thing that jumps out at you out at you with this album at least to me is the production wise is the live instrumentation um, you know, you could kind of tell that they experimented with some on AT Aliens, but with this album here, it doesn't sound like it doesn't sonically it doesn't sound like your everyday average hip hop album that's produced in a studio. I mean, they had guitar riffs, they had harmonicas, they had, you know, bell. I mean, like any type of instrument that you could think of, um, you know, drums, synthesizers, strings, uh, woodwinds. They had, you know, they used orchestras. I mean, like it was crazy. And 
you can hear how sonically it sounded so much different from anything else that we had heard at that particular time. So, you know, that was one of the things that really, really stood out was the production. The production was crazy. Um, and obviously this album took off as far as success was concerned. Uh, while Outkast isn't a group that necessarily went out to necessarily swing for the commercial fences, if you will, um, this album did very well. This album sold double platinum, uh, which was crazy because their first album, Southern Playlistic Cadillac Music, went platinum. Uh, their second album, I, th- I think, ATLN sold like 1.5, if I'm not mistaken. And then with, uh, you know, this album going to double platinum. So they're, they're increasing in sales and the album uh, reflects that. And again, they're not some they're not a group that set out to say, OK, hey, we want to make this amount of money off of you know selling records. But it just so happened that the people who listened to this album really, really gravitated toward the sound and the feel and the vibe of this album. Um, this album was, again, top to bottom uh, sonically, not like anything else that you had heard in 1998. Um, and I don't know if they set out to do that because again, this is the pre-internet. So we don't know, (laughs) you know, it wasn't like there was, uh, you know, a press release or something like that, or you could go online and hear snippets. Uh, you know, we did not hear anything from this album, uh, really until the, uh, until the first song song was released, uh, and that first song was Rosa Parks, which came out in I want to say October, October. So the first single wasn't released until shortly thereafter the album had dropped. Uh, so there was no build up, there was no lead in, there was no single that they dropped prior to the album coming out. Um, so you know we had to kind of figure this thing out as we purchased it and listened along with it. But um, you know they were very very. Uh, you could tell that the the southern roots really really sank into this album this album gives you a little bit of everything as far as the way that it sounds sonically uh you've got funk you've got jazz you've got a little gospel feel uh and you've got more importantly you've got hip-hop and all on top of all of that you got some dope ass rhymes i mean like dre and big boy really really you know, put their stamp on what they were doing lyrically with this album. Uh, so this album had a little bit of mix of everything. But again, I think one of the things that made it stand out was that, you know, it didn't sound like anybody else. And then, of course, Outkast doesn't look like anybody else. Um, <laughs> you know, the ATLians album came out in 1996 uh, and I did a podcast on that. So when you finish listening to this one, if you want to check that one out, check that out as well. Uh, but you know, their look changed, Dre in particular. Uh, so, you know, his look changed. And, you know, there were people that were questioning like, okay, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. one minute he's a pimp, next minute he's on some spaced out shit. You know, what, what, what are these guys? And Outkast really didn't waste any time into addressing all of the questions that people had and taking it to the streets. So, uh, that right there stood out to me initially. So again, the production stood out. There was just a great feel and a great vibe about this album. And, you know, it still resonates to this day. And I think that's one of the great things about this album is that 
when you listen to it, at least for me, when you listen to it, you still get the same feel and the same vibe and you're able to pick up on little different things maybe that you hear that you didn't hear 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And that's the sign of a great album. I tell you what, let's take a quick commercial break. Uh, during the commercial, we'll we'll hear from Outkast, and they'll explain the difference between ATLNs and Equimini, and then we'll jump into the tracks. So sit tight. We'll be back in just a second. What's the difference between uh, Equimini versus the last album? How did you see yourself? Do you think you matured you know, versus the, the first couple albums that you made? Uh, most definitely. Uh, we feel like every album, we have to like recreate ourselves or whatever, so... This album right here, I say, is more like Outkast Extreme because, I mean, you, you got the feel of the first album, then you have the feel of the second album, too, but it's, it's like all, like, melted into one, and then we, like, just, like, put a lot, like, an amp on it, you know what I'm saying? Like, turned it up because it's, it's that time to get live, you know what I mean? Uh, it's, I mean, it's just like, I mean, it's great, you know what I'm saying? The lyrical content, you know what I'm saying, as well as the music, you know what I'm saying? So so it's like, uh, you know what I'm saying, it's got, like, the ferocious lyrics of the ATLians album mixed with the complex music of Southern Playlist of Cadillac music, you know what I'm saying? We're just trying to really revive the whole hip-hop game and keep this thing fresh for y'all. You guys are supposed to uh, break up, you know, back, that's what, that's what the word was. Mm -hmm. Was it West, uh, were there any uh, trueness to that? To that? Oh, no, no. They was just like saying like from the surface, like, I mean, Dre is totally different from Big Boy. Big Boy is totally different from Dre. How can they stay together and do this music? I mean, but you got to think, man. I mean, what make Kool-Aid so good, you know what I'm saying? It's like you got the packet that's sour as hell. Then you know what I'm saying? Then you got that sweet sugar. And it's totally opposite. But, hey, when you put it together, hey, it be on. Good to go with, it be on. With a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Can either, either one of you ever see yourselves going solo? No, sir. It, I mean, the combination wouldn't be there. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like a, uh, a, it's the chemistry. You see what I'm saying? I mean, it'll be, it'll be cool. You know what I'm saying? But it wouldn't, it wouldn't be fire like we want it. It's the return of the gangster, gangster. The niggas that's on that blow that run up in your crib, which contains your lady and an eight-month-old child to raise. Plus, you true blue about this music, but they do not want to hear because they'd rather be bouncing and shooting and killing and bouncing and shit. Get down. Return of the gangster, gangster. Them niggas that think y'all something say y'all be gospel rapping, but they be steady clapping when you talk about bitches and switches and hoes and clothes and weed. Let's talk about time traveling, round javelin, something mind unraveling. Get down. Return of the gangster, gangster. Them niggas that got them kids, they got enough to buy ounce, but not enough to Bounce them kids to the door to the park so they grow up in the dark, never seeing light, so they end up being like your star ass. Robbing niggas and broad ass, they like get down. Return of the gangster, gangster. The niggas who get the wrong impression of expression, then the question is big, but what's up with Andre? Is he in the coat? Is he on drugs? Is he gay? When y'all gonna break up? When y'all gonna wake up? Nigga, I'm feeling better than ever. What's wrong with you? You get down. Man, listen. <laughs> That's how the album actually starts. <laughs> Once again, it's your boy 12 Kyle uh, talking about Equimini from Outkast. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, man, uh, we're going to get into the tracks, but I wanted to start right there. Uh, Return of the G, Return of the Gangster. Uh, that song, I think, really, really resonates and I think it sends a message uh, basically to everybody. Um, at the time, Outkast wasn't really known for, you know, going back and forth with people. Uh, much had been made about them, you know, after winning the, uh, the, the award, after winning award for, um, uh, Southern Playlistic Cadillac Music, uh, the 95 Source Awards, of course, everybody knows they got booed. Uh, and that's when Andre 3000 got up there and famously said that the South had something to say. Um, so other than that, they had never really, you know, addressed 
people or rumors or anything like that. But in that verse, Andre really, really goes in. And I think for me, I think that album, this particular album, Aquemini, the, the differences between how Andre was rhyming and Big Boy too, for that matter. But Andre in particular, from how he was rhyming on AT Aliens to um, how he's rhyming on this album, on Aquemini. Uh, I think that's where people really, really started to take notice. I think Outkast fans all, always knew he had it in him, but this right here, he set the bar so high just with this one verse, and it really set the stage for what they were going to be doing on this album. But, you know, he really addresses and he goes in on it because, you know, I'm going to be honest, that, that was the rumor. Uh, the rumor around the city was, was that Andre was gay and, you know, that people thought that they should break up because, it you know, people felt like it was taking them too long for the album to come out. Uh, he was just so weird. And Big Boy was just so the street hood cat who was really, really suave and and, you know, got along with people and everything like that. Andre was pretty much, um, you know, for lack of a better terms, a loner, if you will, a guy who was really into his own thing, doing his own thing and, you know, just pleasing himself. So you, you really from the outside looking in, people tried to figure out how or why this would work. Uh, because while they seem to be more in sync uh, from the outside looking in on the first album, uh, the second album, you know, Andre was dressing all weird and stuff and Big Boy was, you know, and they were still rhyming and still, they still made a dope ass album in AT Aliens. But, you know, a lot of people didn't know how to read Andre. Um, but he addressed it right there. And that's how the album actually starts. Well, actually, uh, the first song on the album is the intro, uh, Hold On, Be Strong, um, produced by Outkast. And I think they used a sample from Donnie, uh, Donnie Mathis. Um, but yeah, then Return of the G, uh, that's the second track. Um, and so again, Andre, and, and I like how Big Boy on his verse, he said, uh, quit spreading them rumors. We ain't Club Nouveau. <laughs> so, you know, shout out to the Timex, Timex Social Club. Uh, on that but um you know they really addressed uh you know the the hearsay and and i found that to be very interesting because prior to that i didn't really know them to you know address the rumors or anything like that but it was a lot of it was a lot of rumors and innuendo and i think more than anything else not even the rumors about dre being gay but i think the thing that really bothered at least from the outside looking at it, it looked to me like the thing that bothered them was that People figured that because Dre was different from Big Boy, that they couldn't make good music. And, um, you know, that was far from the contrary. And, and you know, we heard stories about how, you know, they were on tour and Big Boy had his bus and on his bus, you know, <laughs> it was pretty much a free for all. And, you know, a lot of smoking, a lot of drinking and, you know, whatever, whatever. And on Dre's bus, you know, he was, you know, meditating and chilling and all kind of burning incense and all kind of shit like that. So, you know, people try to figure out, OK, well, if these guys are so different. How can they make this work? And they, they really address the rumors and the innuendo on that on that particular song. Um, then we move to track three, Rosa Parks. Um, Man, this song, I think this is southern. This is funk. It's blues. It's uh it's a little bit of everything man this song was so so cold and obviously again as i mentioned at the top uh this was the first single um but yeah rosa parks was you know and i remember the video and um you know they just came out to say like hey this is who we are 
you know, you don't have to like us, but you're going to respect us. And again, Dre and Big Boy were rhyming their asses off on this song. And um, and I remember the part where they get to the harmonica solo. I mean, that was so done. Nobody in hip hop is putting a, <laughs> a harmonica solo, uh, you know, in, in their song. You know, the first time I heard it, I thought it was Stevie Wonder. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought that was so dope, man. I, I think, you know, that one thing that this album taught me and, and as well as a whole bunch of Outkast fans is that uh, they weren't afraid to push the envelope. And I think, you know, whether or not you like Outkast or not, now at this point, I don't know how you could not like Outkast, but if you didn't like Outkast, you got to respect the fact that they were never afraid to be different and they weren't afraid to push the, the envelope as far as uh, how they wanted to look and how they wanted to come across sonically and still be dope at the same time and, and well respected. Um, then you move to track four, Skew It on the Barbie, featuring Raekwon from Wu Tang. Um, this song, I think, was the uh, crowning point for them as far as popularity. And not to say that they weren't popular, but I think, here's the thing. In hip-hop, normally when you can get other artists to you know come around or if they're on your album cover or if, they, if you shot them out in your liner notes, <laughs> shout out to the liner notes, um, you know, that kind of solidified them as being, okay, well, okay, you know, if 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 he's down with them, they gotta be cool type of thing, and and so that's always kind of stood the test of time in hip hop, uh, and and not that Outkast needed Wu Tang to validate them or validate their success, but seeing and hearing Raekwon get down with them because at this keep in mind at this particular time in hip hop, you were starting to see more collaborations uh, from guys from different camps, and and a lot of times, um, you know. We had just got over the quote unquote East Coast, West Coast beef, which, you know, we lost uh, Tupac and Biggie, um, which is BS. But, you know, that's another story for another day. But we started to see more of these collaborations, but we had not seen a lot of collaborations between MCs from the South, MCs from the North. But for Raekwon to come down and get on a track with Outkast and, and Rocket and, you know, the the little I love the the the. It wasn't a skip with them kind of talking uh, before the track comes on. And, you know, they say, hey, we came to do this for hip hop. And, um, you know, Raekwon gets on. The, he gets on the track and shines and, and Big Boy and, and Dre hold their own. And they're not outdone. But all, all three, all three of them are doing that thing on this particular track. Uh, and I remember one of the things that stood out to me about this song. Uh, this this song was actually the second song that was released. It was, I believe it was released. Uh, in that November, um, but I actually went to the video shoot for this uh, for this song. Uh, the video was shot at the uh, the Tabernacle uh, downtown in Atlanta. Um, I think back then we called it the House of Blues. So it was a House of Blues live video shoot, and so it's a live. So it's them performing on stage, um, and uh, I think they did like maybe two or three takes, and that was it. But the place was jumping. And I personally, I'd never been on a video shoot before, but they encouraged people and fans to come down. They were going to let, you know, like the first, I don't know, seven, eight hundred people in or whatever. Like how many other people the Tabernacle or the House of Blues could hold? Uh, that's what they were going to do. So people came in and, um, you know, so it was good to see them, you know, shoot the video and everything like that. And um, check the video out. It's on YouTube. Uh, real cool video. 
And then I remember afterwards, and I remember Raekwon came out, and when Raekwon hit the stage, my people went crazy. And, you know, that just showed how much love he had here in Atlanta. And it was just like, you know, people were really, really happy to see, you know, Outkast. Dre was <laughs> up there with some white, funny, fluffy stuff on uh, with shoulder pads. And the whole Dungeon Family crew was there. A couple other Wu-Tang cats were there. And I remember after the video shoot, we all went to a club. And they were at the club. And it was just one big-ass party. And it was, cats got on stage and rocked out. And it was it was just really, really dope. Um but I think that song really kind of let people know, like, these dudes ain't playing. Like, I don't know what the motivation was for, uh, you know, getting Ghostface on the track. Excuse me, not Ghostface, Raekwon. Raekwon on the track, but, you know, having Ray on there and just letting him rhyme. And then, you know, Big Boy and, and Dre doing their thing. I think that really sent a message to hip hop, like, these, like again, these guys, they're not here to play with you. <laughs> so then we move to track five, uh, the title track, Equiminot. Um, This song, uh, this song is probably my favorite song on the album. Um, the, the hook, even the sun goes down, heroes eventually die, horoscopes often lie, and sometimes why? Nothing is for certain, nothing is for sure. But until they close the curtain, it's him and I, Equiminot. Um, I think this was very important for the two of them because what it did was they basically established, you know, what they were and how they felt about each other. And again, indirectly addressing the rumors. Um, and I, I actually have a, a good story about this, um, about this song. Uh, back when i think the, the album hadn't even come out yet uh i have a cousin who at the time he was a an executive for champ sports and champs was doing some type of marketing promotion for outcast in this particular album so my cousin came in town he was like yo i'm going to go check out uh, outcast at their studio you want to roll i was like yeah cool you know i mean why wouldn't i want to do that um so we go to stankonia studios Right. And so I'm surprised because Stank Audio Studios is tucked away in this little, you know, quiet neighborhood. Actually, if you're for those of you listening, if you're familiar with uh, where we shot uh, dead end sports and dead end hip hop videos, uh, it's actually right around the corner from there. Um, so it's in northwest Atlanta, this little quiet area, nondescript, nondescript street, everything. So it doesn't look like some place that you would think, OK. Here's a stick because there's no signage, no nothing. So we walk in and um, meet uh, Blue Williams, rest in peace, uh, who's Outcast's manager at the time. Real, real cool cat. And so we're sitting down and, um, you know, Dre and Big Boy aren't there. So we're talking or whatever. Like, well, my cousin's talking. I'm not doing anything. I'm just playing around. And um, and so uh, Dre got caught up in traffic or something like that. But he wasn't going to be able to make it. And so Big Boy, you know, had called. He was like on the way or whatever like that. So Big Boy comes in maybe about 20 minutes after we're there. And I had my I had a, a, a Yankee fitted on. It was kind of pulled down over my eyes. And so, you know, when he came in, I just kind of looked up at him or whatever like that. And <laughs> he walks over to me. He says, motherfucker, T.K. Kirkland. What's up, player? <laughs> I'm like. Huh? <laughs> so I don't know who TK Clerk Kirkland is at this time. 
And um, so I give him dap. He was like, oh, man, you ain't TK. Oh, he's like, man, you look just like TK. I'm like, okay, uh, thanks, bro. <laughs> I later found out who TK Kirkland was. Um, and uh, you can Google a picture. I look nothing like that guy. But nonetheless, uh, so Big Boy is real mad, mad, mad cool, man. So we're talking or whatever. And I remember... Um, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was an engineer, I guess, a white guy. Uh, he was in this other room, so studio room. So I kind of wandered off as they were talking and followed the white guy into the studio room. And the guy, he he's he's you know, he's mixing or whatever like that. He played uh, Liberation for me. And then the second track that he played was, you know, um, Equimini. And he played this. And I was blown away. I was like, yo, are you serious? I, I just, my mouth was on the floor. And I was just like, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that song always will resonate with me, man. Um, it, it's, it, it goes without saying, that's my favorite song on the album. Uh, then you go to track six, uh, Synthesizer, uh, featuring the great, the legend, George Clinton. I mean, Outkast is known for funk. Um, you can't get any funkier than having George Clinton on your album. <laughs> so, I mean, we're already blessed with Raekwon, uh, and then you got George Clinton. I mean, it can't get any better. I, I thought that that track was so hard, so cold. Um, again, another banger. Uh, then you got Slump at track seven. They're talking about, uh, you know, selling drugs and the downfalls of that. Uh, again, another banger. This this album, it doesn't disappoint. I mean, like you can get something and take something from every song. Every, it is such a an easy listen um, to your ears. Uh, then you move to track eight, and Big Boy kind of actually introduces this track as um, you know a track that did not make the Southern Playlistic album. And when you listen to it, you can hear why this album, this, excuse me, this song actually fits on the Southern Playalistic album. Uh, it fits on this album. It would not have fit on AT Aliens. Um, and it's not because it's not good enough to have made the album, but the the way that it, what, what he's talking about and, the, and how it sounds sonically, um, it just, it wouldn't have fit. Uh, but West Savannah, big boy rapping about, you know, how he grew up and where he grew up in West Savannah. Um and one of the other things that I loved about this album uh, that <laughs> a lot of people don't, and I don't, I don't know if people necessarily don't pay attention to it, but I thought it was really, really dope are the skits. <laughs> they have some very, very clever skits on this album. Uh, my favorite skit on the album is the phone call. How weak your game is. Shut up, old sis. You ain't even got one. Sissy, call sissy. Shut up. Hello? What's up? What's up? Sissy, get your ass in here. I gotta go. Hold up, wait. 
Marks wanna know if he can get some cut up. Some cut up? Ain't no cut up going here. I'll cut your ass up. I mean, that joint is so funny. <laughs> I mean, and it, and the reason why it's funny to me because, like, the it takes me back to my childhood when I was in, you know, seventh and eighth grade, and I call up my boy, and we would call girls on the three way, you know, and then, you know these kids nowadays, you know, y'all don't know nothing about three way, you know, y'all don't make three way, y'all barely talk on the phone, but that's another story for another day. Um, so that skit is funny. Also, the uh, the skit of uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> with the with the with the rain coming and her her grandmother telling her to get off the phone now that's funny as well so you know it, it, it's uh it they've got both both of those skits i think again take me back to the childhood because you know back in the day when the thunderstorm was coming you know your mom told you to get off the phone and you, you couldn't you know use any electronics and all kind of stuff like that so it just you know again very subtle, but, you know, it's a nod to the childhood. And, you know, I'm around the same age as Big Boy and Dre. So, you know, that really, really spoke to me. Um, and then you flow into you, you leave that skit and flow into track uh, track nine, the art of storytelling part one. Now, this does not include Slick Rick. I think they ended up I think they did a remix and Slick Rick was on it. And Slick Rick put if I'm not mistaken, put that on his album. Um, but yeah, man, the story of Sasha Thumper. <laughs> Uh, a hard a horrifying tale of a girl who you know went the wrong way um and uh and i i love this story man the the beat the song um everything man this this i could never stop playing this song uh and then of course you go into the next skit and then you have the art of storytelling part two now one thing i'll say about the art of story part storytelling part two is that this song kind of give if you look at it it gives you a glimpse and a a, a, a vision as to what stankonia is going to sound like because i think this song really could be on stankonia which was outcast's fourth album uh the follow-up to equimini um but i love this song man it, this this is so i mean out there as far as the beat the way that it sounds it sounds like dre is trapped in some type of compartment or something because he sounds muffled but it's it's so so funky um and again dope rhymes uh then you move to track 11 mamacita okay um <laughs> let's deal with the elephant in the room i don't understand this track i don't understand the placement i don't understand why this track even made the album um it's a skip I'm gonna keep it a buck with you. It's a skip. I never listened to the song. I have yet to find uh, five people who tell me that they like this song. Now, if you out there listening, you know you like it. Hit me up. Let me know why. Uh, I just I didn't like it. Um, I don't know why it's on the album. Uh, and and I know we've talked about it before. Uh, shout out to my homie Eclectic. Uh, you know, it's possible and very plausible that, you know, you could have a classic album and have a skip. Uh, you probably shouldn't have any more than one or two at the most. Uh, but yeah, this is a definite skip. This is a blemish, but you know, it's all good. You can't be perfect, right? So yeah, um, Mama Cita, mm, not much to talk about here, so I'll, I'll move on. 
<laughs> uh, then you move to track 12. Spody Older Spody Odie Dopalicious. That's how you pronounce it. Spody Odie Dopalicious. Man, when I say funky, this is a funky ass track. Um Spody Odie Dopalicious is just it's more or less this kind of like spoken word. But you know, Big Boy and Dre are just they they just dropping game on you, man. I mean it it this is a cold ass song, man. I, <laughs> another one that I, I could never get tired of listening to. Um, then track 13, Y'all Scared, uh, with uh, Timo, Big Gip, and Cujo uh, from the Goody Mob. Um, man, listen, anytime, and that's one of the things that I loved about how Outkast and, and their brothers, Goody Mob, you know, performed and how they did things. Because normally when you would have an Outkast album, Goody Mob would be on it. When you had a Goody Mob album, Outkast would be on it. So I, I love the way that they did that back and forth along with the production from, you know, Organized Noise on, you know, four different tracks on this album. But um, yeah, man, this actually, I, I read something and doing some research. Uh, Big Boy actually wanted this to be the lead of the album. Uh, and, you know, after going back and forth, they decided for it not to be, but great verses from everybody on here man they they and, and that was like a big saying back then in, in 98 y'all scared it and the, and the hook said if you say if you scared say you scared that was <laughs> that was real big in the 90s man to tell somebody yo if you scared say you scared i remember saying that in college <laughs> nonetheless um yeah another another dope song uh, 14 is an interlude called Nathaniel, uh, with their homeboy Nathaniel. I guess he was locked up at the time. I hope he's out by now, but, um, he was locked up and he busts into a freestyle, um, which was weird, but still good. I liked it. Um, then you move to track 15, uh, Liberation. <sighs> Man, Liberation is eight minutes, 46 seconds of pleasure. Um, that song, man, it just it just does something to me. Um, CeeLo's on here. Uh, who else? You got Erica Badu on here, who at the time of this album, recording with this album, uh, was dating Andre 3000. Um, so, you know, so you had that mix going, and I thought they made a great couple. They obviously had a son. Didn't make it work as far as a relationship, but I, from what I can tell, they're, you know, very good loving parents that do a good job of co-parenting their son um but uh liberation man is a it's a beautiful track man it, it is probably it's one of my favorites it's not my favorite but it's one of my favorites uh again this is something that i could just listen to on and on and on um it never gets old uh you know they really really brought it and again this is one of the songs that I point to to say like nobody in 1998 was doing that. Like nobody, nobody would even think to try something like this. So, you know, big props to to everybody that collaborated. And, and again, going back to that studio session, I asked, that was one of the songs that I heard. I only heard like half of a verse. I can't remember whose verse I heard. I remember hearing Erica's verse. And I can't remember if I heard Dre or Big Boy's verse, but, you know, from that studio session, the thing that stood out to me was <laughs> Andre's verse on Equipment Eye. Um, and then the album closes out with Chunky Fire. Uh, again, another another song on the album that actually ends and really I could make a case for it ends where Stankonia actually begins. Um, 
you know, and, and of course they have the interlude of the, the, the guys talking at the end, uh, the skit, which is kind of funny, you know, speaking from, you know, two fans perspective who actually bought the album and, you know, try to return it and realize that the album was dope. Um, but yeah, man, I think top to bottom, this album, uh, like I said, other than Mama Sita, man, this cold ass album, uh, the history and the significance of this album this album was very important. I think this album was not only just important for Dre and Big Boy individually, but them collectively as a group. Uh, again, as I mentioned, it it really, really put the South on the map. Um, and that's not to say that we didn't have Southern acts, but I think I don't know that the rest of the hip hop community really, really respected Southern MCs the way that they should have. And, and 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 granted, there were a, a slew of great Southern MCs that came before Outkast, but I don't think that people really respected the South, the South um, for producing MCs until this album came out. And that's no knock on Scarface. That's no knock on anybody else who came prior. I'm just this is just my perspective. Um, but I think this album really, really resonated with so many people, um, you know, this album is, I think this album got, I can't remember, but I think this album got four and a half mics. I uh, should have gotten five. This album is a modern day hip hop classic. Um, there, there aren't many albums. <laughs> there weren't many albums actually from 1998 on uh, that I could say that about. But this album, um, it had every, it had a little bit of everything. And I mean, obviously, not only did it do well as far as record, record sales, but it was critically acclaimed. I mean, the critics loved it. Uh, this album, again, it was one of those albums that you just, you just put this on and just, man, you can hit shuffle. <laughs> and whatever comes up, you're going to jam to it, man. It's just that, uh, it's just that cold. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, also stood out about this album is that, you know, Outkast really solidified themselves as, you know, one of hip hop's greatest duos. And they did that in an era where it really was about being original and they weren't afraid to be original or be themselves. And they really, really wanted to push the envelope. And they kind of strike me as guys that if they're sitting around kicking around ideas, the 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 idea or the thought of, nah, we can't do that. That people people might not understand. That thought never crosses their minds. <laughs> like it's always about what can we do different, how can we be who we are, and do our thing. And I think that's you know what really really resonated with me with this album. Again, I'm a fan. But I, I have so much love and respect for this group and so much love and respect for this project and this 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 album. Um, and again, I, I think it really solidified them as MCs who could spit. And, you know, people you will have quite a few people who will listen to this podcast and they will say, well, this is when I started to notice Andre. This is when I started to notice Big Boy. Um, and I've seen people make cases for. You know, Andre in particular being in their top 10, top five. Uh, I've seen people, some people say Andre 3000 is the greatest rapper of all time. Um, I don't agree, but I mean, wherever you wherever you place him, you know, and Big Boy for that matter, uh, you know, you get no argument for me because I know that this album helped put them there. 
Uh, and it's, that's no knock on the first two albums. But I will make a case that Outkast's first three albums, you can put them up there with any other hip hop group. And they're right there. You can make a case for Outkast's first three albums. Southern Playlist of Cadillac Music, AT Aliens, and Equimini. Um, and shout out to my boy, Matt, who <laughs> he's always telling me that AT Aliens is better than Equimini. Well, Matt, it's not. <laughs> and I know there's, there's going to be some of you who are going to listen to this and think that. But again, you know, you're welcome to your opinion. You're wrong, but, you know, it's okay. <laughs> but uh, again, man, this this album really, really goes Um it's a great listen. It's an album that you can listen to from front to back. You might even like Mama Sita. I personally don't, but hey, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but um, again, this album over a period of time, it's hard to believe that this album is turning 20 years old because so much of it resonates to the to today. It doesn't feel dated. It doesn't feel old. It just feels good. Uh, and one thing that I came across was a, a quote that really, really stood out to me. It said, Equimini is a hip hop classic that pushes the limits of what we do, of what we normally consider hip hop, yet is decidedly true to its roots. Close quote. I couldn't have said it better myself. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for checking out the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I'm your boy, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next time. 5,000.